This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Right, how is everybody this morning? Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And I like how Pastor Gatlin said a few weeks ago, I would rather be here than at the absolute best country club in all of Beverly Hills. <laughs> I'd rather be here than the best beach in all of South Florida or wherever it is you like to go to the mountains. Because, listen, there, there's a lot of places that are nice to be, but there's no place better than being in the presence of God with the saints of God. Amen. And so today... You can find answers if you'll plug in. You can be fed. You can receive what God has for you. But it's totally up to you because I found out that uh, I've seen so many church services where 100, 200 people leave with their lives changed. And two people leave and say, man, I didn't get nothing out of that. I, I didn't get fed. And I'm like, wow, that's like you show up to the Thanksgiving table with your whole family and you're the only one that leaves hungry. Whose fault is it? It's yours, man. The food was there. It was prepared. It was there for the taking. But sometimes you got to decide to you're going to plug in. You're going to pick up the fork. You're going to open your Bible yourself and you're going to actually draw upon the word of God. And so I'm telling you, man, today we're going to look at some verses. We're going to look at the word of God. God is going to be speaking, but it's totally up to you if you're going to be receiving. Amen. All right. There's a there's the pastor. Then there's the receiver. You got to be the receiver today. Amen. And so we've been in this Sunday morning series. I believe this is our third week. It's called Disciples. We're talking about disciples. And and that may not sound like the most fun thing, you know, like I I really I wanted to come and hear about prosperity. I wanted to come and hear about healing and and courage. And and those are great things. And I love them. But listen, we're talking about being disciples because not everybody is a disciple of Jesus. A lot of people, as we've said, as we've learned, a lot of people are followers. A lot of people said the prayer one time. A lot of people may be converts to Christianity, but they are definitely not what we would call or what Jesus would call a disciple. There was a lot of people that followed Jesus in his ministry. A lot of people were motivated. A lot of people were, uh, you know, loved his his words, but not everybody was willing to lay it all down and follow him everywhere he went, even if it meant uh, sacrificing some things that they loved, you know. And so if you need an outline, raise your hand. I think the ushers are very busy this morning. I don't know who the greeters must not have got those passed out. But uh, but let's look here. We got three things we're going to look at today about requirements of being a disciple. Now, I'm thinking next week we'll start looking at some of the blessing and benefits of being a disciple, because what we've done so far is just lay out the most hardcore stuff we could lay out there. And no doubt, I mean, some of this stuff maybe rubs us the wrong way. Some of the because Jesus said, you can't even you can't be my disciple unless you love me more than your father, your mother, your wife, your children. You got to love me more. In fact, Jesus said, you got to hate them compared to me. And I'm like, what? That kind of rubs me the wrong way. But sometimes I need rubbed the wrong way just a little bit to slap me in the face and wake me up so I can get with the program. And Jesus, he says some hardcore things sometimes, but it's up to us if we're going to if we're going to believe it or not. But the truth is, is he's always right every time. And so we might as well just jump on board with him so we don't miss out. Amen. And so this week we're going to look at three things of uh, requirements of what it means to be a disciple. And I'm going to say this, that at the end of the service, I talked to you last week about we're starting a program uh, of spiritual, personal training. And you're like, what does that mean? Well, I know a lot of people that when, you know, when they need to get in shape physically, they'll go out to the gym and they'll they'll get a personal trainer. They have no problem whatsoever dropping some money on a personal trainer. And that, you know, that's fine. You should do that. That's great. But what I'm talking about is not no money involved anyway, because it's not about that. But we are setting up a program. I've got a group of qualified people that I believe in that are spiritual disciples of Jesus. So the real deal, they're legit or I wouldn't have them in this program. But I've got some personal trainers that are willing to for 30 days train you every single day, speak to you, uh, text with you. And, and, and because this, this program is mainly designed 
for people that are brand new to the Christian faith. But uh, for this first run of the program, it's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm offering it to anybody in the church. Typically, this will be for somebody that just receives the Lord. But because I'm such a nice guy, I'm going to offer it to everybody in the church that wants it, that wants to be that and feels that maybe they need a spiritual personal trainer. And uh, and because it's going to be to people this first round that have maybe been a Christian for a while, I've upped the level of intensity for it just a little bit. I've, <laughs> because, I mean, my, my original goal is, like, you know, I want it to be, uh, you know, uh, good, but, but pretty easy for somebody that's a new believer. But since this first round is going to be a lot of people that have maybe been a Christian for a while, uh, I've, I've made it a little more challenging because you need it, okay? It doesn't do you any good to just go in and do something that, you know, you, to, you don't stretch yourself. I mean, I know a lot of these military guys in here, when they signed up, boot camp was meant to be hard. It wasn't meant to be, well, let's just make it as low and easy as we can so everybody can get through. It was meant to challenge you and see if you've got what it takes to be one of the people that can go out there and fight in the, you know, the military. And so this isn't going to be easy. And if you're up for a good challenge then I welcome you to go sign up. I'm not going to pass the sheet around because you should at least have enough motivation to go find the person that has it. I was thinking about that. Uh, let's just pass this around. I'm not going to pass it around. If you don't even have the motivation to go find the clipboard yourself, you're probably not cut out for this. It's probably not your thing. Amen. And so we're, we, we got to step it up a little bit. This is for all of us. So anyway, if you are interested in taking me up on my offer, I've got a great, I've got a great team here. I've got somebody that will text you in the morning and start your program off and it'll be 30 days of them, uh, mentoring you and, uh, and challenging you and encouraging you on a daily basis and it'll be incredible but anyway i'm not going to tell you all about it you got to enlist you got to go sign up amen you'll raise your right hand no you won't do all that but anyway but it'll be good so praise god uh what we're going to get into today is uh some more uh, requirements of a disciple these aren't things that i made up these are just things found in scripture because i don't i'm not qualified to make these things up only jesus is so let's go ahead and pray and then we got to dive into this lesson and i believe that god is going to absolutely change your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, so much. Uh, yet again, that we have a house of worship, Lord. We have a place to come and learn about you, Lord. We have a place to come and hear your word. And I pray today that as we open our hearts and our minds and our Bibles, Lord, that you're going to speak to us. You're going to change us, Lord. And maybe we do need roughed up a little bit. Maybe we need to hear some things that we don't necessarily like, but they're things that are true, Lord, because we know that when we know the truth, it'll set us free, Lord, and we want to be free so we can do everything you've called us to do. So speak to us, change us today. In Jesus name, everybody said. Amen. All right. So let's look at a few things about disciples here. The first thing I'm going to say today is this. Number one is that disciples must stretch their faith. They must stretch their faith. You have got to get to a place where you start using your faith to actually do some things in this life and to actually step out of your comfort zone a little bit. You need to start believing for God for things that are bigger than what you can get within your own ability. Because it doesn't take faith. I mean, it takes no faith for me to, you know, to say, well, I'm just going to go sit in that chair. Right. There. I mean, that's not a challenge. I know that I can do that. But it would take faith for me to say, I'm going to go climb that mountain. I'm going to go step out and do something I've never done before. But disciples on a regular basis, they are called upon by the Lord to do something that they are not comfortable doing. And so let's look at some stuff here. The first thing we're going to look at is Luke chapter eight. Let's flip over there to Luke chapter eight. Man, you picked a good day to come to church. Of course, every day is a good day to come to church. But I've never picked a bad one to come to church. There's never been a time that I've come and said, man, I wish I hadn't gone today. <clears throat> man, I could have been home watching football. Could have been, oh, good Lord. The, the, the buffet over there at Jimenez, the man that closes at 10, and I could have, could have been eating that. No, there's never a time when I've come to the house of the Lord and regretted it and wished that I hadn't. There's never been a time I've read the Bible and said, man, what a waste of time that was. Never happened. It's never a waste of time to give some time to Jesus. He'll always make it worthwhile. So let's look at Luke chapter 8, starting here at verse 49. 
And this is the story of the little girl that died, Jairus' daughter. It says, while he was still speaking to her, he was talking to the woman that had been healed of the issue of blood. A messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, your daughter's dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. I mean, that would be that would be pretty. I mean, that could floor you right there. That could absolutely take your feet out from underneath you. You would come to Jesus for help. Somebody else cut in and received their healing. And they said, listen, it's too late. She's dead. Don't even bother him now. Don't even don't even trouble the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith and she will be healed. I mean, man, if we could just take that right there, don't be afraid, just have faith. That's a good word. That's enough right there to get us going. But he but you need to realize that Jesus is saying that to you today. Whatever your problem is, whatever your situation is, Jesus is still telling you, don't be afraid, just have faith. And then verse uh, verse 51, when they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James and the little girl's father and mother. That's interesting. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing. But he said, stop the weeping. She's not dead. She's only asleep. Like, OK, we know what a dead person looks like. But but Jesus, he wasn't in his playing around mood today. Verse 53. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand. And said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Whoa. What are we looking at here? I mean, talk about a bad situation. It doesn't really get much worse than this. This is literally about as bad as it can get. Because what can you do when she's already dead? I mean, this looked like impossible. This looked like it was the end of the road for this little girl. But listen to me. Jesus said, don't be afraid, just have faith. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to heal her. I'm going to raise her up. But the most interesting thing about this whole story right here to me is this, is we know that Jesus had these 12 disciples. He had a lot more, but we know he had his main group of 12, right? And they were great guys. But how come he only took three with him? Peter, James and John. And you look, there's a lot of different stories and the most difficult and impossible of situations in the four Gospels. Jesus would take Peter, James and John, yet he would leave the other nine. He would leave Philip and Bartholomew. Thank God he left Thomas. He was always doubting anyway. And Judas probably would have gone in and robbed him. He left him behind. But he had these three guys, Peter, James and John, and he always took them into the most difficult and impossible situations. Why is that? Because these were guys, they weren't perfect men, they were roughnecks, but listen to me, these were guys that had faith for the impossible. And I, I want to be a disciple, but I want to get into that most inner circle of three where Jesus says, this is, a, this is an impossible situation. I need somebody that truly has faith that I can make this happen. And so Jesus, he had everybody else get out, but he took these Three guys with him time and time again. Why is that? Is it because he didn't like the others? No, of course not. These were his best friends. He took these three because in a bad situation, you need people that really believe that Jesus is going to perform a miracle for you. You've got no other options. You've exhausted every possible avenue. There is nothing left except for Jesus to come in and do a miracle because everything else has already it's it's already not it's not worked and you have got listen to me if i'm in that situation i'm not going online and saying everybody please pray for me now i don't want half of their prayers they're full of doubt and unbelief and they don't even they don't they just want to give me sympathy i don't need sympathy when i'm dying i need faith to help get me out of the impossible situation and I, you know, there's a place for compassion. There's a place for mercy. There's a place for sympathy. But in this situation, they weren't just looking for sympathy and to start a GoFundMe and to make the, you know, raise money for the funeral. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying that's not what they needed. He didn't want that. Jairus wanted his little girl healed. He wanted his daughter to live out the rest of her days. And sympathy and sorrow and charity was not going to make that happen. Only faith in Jesus 
was going to make that happen. And so Jesus said, I love you all. Everybody else get out. Peter, James and John, let's go do this right now. And he took them in there. And, and, and I mean, look at this. Not only was there an impossible situation, look at the distractions that were going on there. Because it's hard enough to have a bad situation like some of you have, but it's even worse when you've got distractions all around you and, 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 and people weeping and wailing. And, and that's what it had here. They showed up to the house. Not only was there a dead little girl, there was what they called a tumult there. And these were people that came whenever there was, you know, a, a death or something like that. They basically showed up with the coroner to, to do their professional weeping and wailing and, and throwing a giant, you know, making a big scene, you know, beating their chest. And, and that's what was going on here. These are basically paid mourners that would go in like the paid protesters that we have in 2018. These were paid mourners that would show up and just throw a big fit. And, and, and listen, we appreciate it. But can you imagine you get there already? We, we, this girl's got to get raised from the dead. But then you've got this big show of sorrow and dust thrown in the air, people screaming and crying. And Jesus knew that the other nine, they couldn't look past that and get to the point. Maybe they could have had faith for the miracle, but they couldn't look past all this. Peter, James and John could. And so as a disciple, if you want to be a disciple, you've got to become a master at tuning out distractions when you're going into an impossible situation. I'm telling you, I've been to people's deathbeds. I've been to bad, bad situations and seen things that I wish I had never seen before. But listen to me, you've got to get to the place where you can just look past all of that. Because if my attention goes on that, I, I'm, I'm, it's over with. It is over with. I am not going to hook up with Jesus to get this miracle to take place. And so as a disciple, you're going to have to stretch your faith and you're going to have to become a master at tuning out distractions and learning to ignore things. And so do you wonder sometimes why, man, you hear other Christians and other people telling these miraculous testimonies of healings and miracles? You're like, man, I'd like to see a miracle. Man, I'd like to see that happen. Listen. Do you stretch your faith at all? Do you use your faith for healing from a headache? You're wanting to see the blind eyes open. You're wanting to see the crippled walk. You're wanting to see, you know, the, the death raised, the dead man raised up. But do you even use your faith to pray for yourself when you have the sniffles? We're not making fun. You know, get the help you need. Go get some medicine. That's, but do you at all even make any attempt to stretch your faith and say, you know what? My faith can handle this one. I'm just going to I'm just going to go to God and pray over this one. Do we ever do that? Well, don't expect that you're going to see the blind eyes open, the dead raised and and all these these amazing miracles that Jesus told us to do in the Great Commission. He said, believers shall if you believe in me, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Jesus said that type of stuff is going to happen. And I realize we don't see that every day. Well, a big part of that is because. We rely so much on ourselves and a disciple has to learn to not only rely on themselves. You need to start giving yourself some faith challenges. I know a lot of us, we like to challenge ourselves in different ways. Like, well, maybe I could run an extra mile today. Maybe I could go out here. Maybe I could make an extra. Maybe I could. And, and people like to challenge themselves. But I challenge you to challenge your faith. You know, last year on September 12th, I was up in the woods praying for a while. Yes. I was up in the woods praying and uh, and I'm up there and I'm like, man, I you know what? I'm ready to start stretching my faith and challenging myself to another level because I'm just not content where I'm at. And so I told the Lord, you know what? I need an extra four hundred dollars this month to get to where I need to be. And and I was like, I'm going to I'm going to pray for I'm going to claim that in right now that by the end of this month, by September 30th, I will have an additional four hundred dollars that's come in through whatever way. And you're like, well, that sounds crazy. Well, yeah, it sounded crazy until it actually happened. And so here I am this September 12th. And then I'm telling you, by the 30th. Not not only had four hundred dollars come in extra eight hundred dollars from just all these different avenues. You're like, well, that sounds weird. That's fine. I I will gladly be weird for an extra eight hundred dollars. I'll call me weird all day long. I'm fine with that. But but so I'm like, you know what? Praise God, it, this happened, and I and I used my faith. And listen, I'm a salary guy. I I don't get to go work overtime hours, and I don't get to you know apply for for triple time. It is what it is, and and you know and that's great, and I love it. But listen to me, I had to use my faith to get this to happen, and I needed it. 
And so October rolls around and I'm like, you know what? Let's do it again. Let's let's. And so sure enough, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm believing God for an extra four hundred dollars. That's what I need this month. Well, one day, one Sunday night, somebody came up to church and uh, talked to me and said, hey, the Lord told me to give you some money, but it's a specific amount. Can you tell me how much money you need? I said, no, you just do whatever God told you, man. I don't you know whatever the Lord spoke to you. That's fine. You can talk to me later. You know, I've got to, I'm going to go preach and everything. But, you know, let's. Thank you. God bless you. And, you know, I didn't really think that much about it. And so after church, this person shows up to my house. They're like, here's what God told me to give you. And they laid out four one hundred dollar bills. He said, does this mean anything? I'm like, yes, sir, it does. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, and I'm, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm not greedy. I just, you know, trying to raise a family here. And I said, God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And if God has the God can do whatever he wants to do to get his provision to his children. I'm not going to say, Lord, you have to do it this way. I'm not going to tell him how to do his job. He does a lot. He's perfect at it. And a lot of you tell God how to do his job all the time. Don't do that. Just say, Lord, here's what I need. Tell God what you need and he'll get it to you. Amen. But don't limit him and quit telling him how to do his job. And I'm saying that some of you need to start stretching your faith a little bit and start believing God for some things that you couldn't do within your own ability. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, 6. And I want to please God. I want God to be pleased with me. And if I'm never stretching myself, how am I pleasing God? You need to step out of the boat like Peter did and take a few steps on the water. Sometimes you sink for a minute. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you step out there and you stretch yourself. But Jesus is right there. He'll pull you back out. He's got your back. But you need to start stretching your faith if you're going to be a disciple. Because Jesus is going to call you to do things that you cannot do within your own ability. Jesus is going to call you to do things that are well beyond your intellect, that are well beyond your resources, that are well beyond your strength. And if you don't know how to rely on anything but you, you'll never get it done. And he's not going to use you. He'll find somebody that can actually believe him and have some faith. Amen. And so start stretching yourself. Romans 117. Let's look at that. Romans 117. Amen. God is good. We're making disciples. Matthew 28, 18, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. But right now, Romans 1, 17, Romans 1, 17. And it says this, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. I'm telling you, we need to live by faith. Faith, And of course, we live eternally by faith in Jesus. But I believe we need to live this everyday life by faith. Now, most Christian converts, you know, they like faith. They'll turn to their faith in times of difficulty. They'll turn. They'll, they'll visit it. They'll visit it when, when there's difficulty. They'll visit their faith, but they don't live by their faith. It is not their lifestyle. It is not their everyday life. We've got to get to the place where we don't just like faith. We don't visit our faith in times of difficulty. My faith sustains me. You know, praise God. Good for you. But you need to live by faith because the just shall live by faith. And I believe the disciples shall live their lives by faith. It'll be an everyday thing. And when you live by faith, you're not shocked when God answers your prayers. You're just so used to it that, I mean, you know, praise God. You're thankful, but you're not, you don't pass out every time a prayer gets answered. It actually worked. Oh, my gosh. I need to sit down. Wow, didn't expect that to happen. And there's some people I know like that. They may have been saved for 20 or 30 years. We pray for them and something happens. They're like, whoa, you're never going to believe it. What, your prayer got answered? Yeah. I, yes, I believe it. I'm a believer. I, we prayed that it would happen. I'm, why would I not believe that you're the, what, that that happened for you? We're believers. Believers kind of believe this. You know, it's what they do. And so don't when you live by faith, it doesn't floor you when your prayers get answered. You expected it to happen anyway. Let's move on because I didn't go over too well. All right. Look at this. Look at this. So I'm talking about uh, living by faith. 
there's a, a, a preacher I like, Andrew Womack. He has a Bible college in Colorado, Karis uh, Bible College. But he said one day he was at, a, at one of his conferences preaching in another state. And this young guy comes up to him and he says, God told me to go to your Bible college. But the problem is I come from a wealthy family in Chicago. They own a business empire. They don't want me to leave that to go to Bible college. They told me that if I go to your Bible college, they're going to cut me out of the whole family inheritance and everything. I'm going to lose millions. And on top of that, my fiance doesn't want me to move out there. She said she's going to end the engagement if I if I go out there to Bible college. I don't know what to do. What should I do? And Andrew Womack said, huh? Oh, sorry. You lost me at God told me to go to Bible college. Well, I didn't hear anything else you said, because as soon as you said God told you to do it, I knew that was what you were supposed to do, even if it cost you millions, even if it cost you relationships. If you're a disciple, you put Jesus before any of those things. And so sometimes people come up, man, the Lord gave me this vision, but I don't know, it's going to it's going to cost this and I'm going to have to sacrifice this. Okay, did God give it to you? Burn the rest of it up, man. Do it. Let's go. Let's make it happen. Because it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take some faith. It's going to take stretching you a little bit. If you are really willing to walk the road with Jesus, it is not always an easy road. But listen to me. It's always worth it every single time. Let's go ahead and look at our next thing here. And that's this. This leads right into number two is that a disciple must endure persecution. And you're like, well, I didn't come to hear that today. Well, listen, <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm really am thinking about next week doing a positive thing, doing like, a, a, you know, a, a message on the blessings of being a disciple. It's really crossing my mind. But I want to talk to you for a minute about how disciples must endure persecution. Now, I'm not saying that. And a lot of times we have a twisted concept of what persecution is and who sends it. Being sick is not persecution. That's a hardship. And, it, and you know, and we don't want that to happen to anybody. But that's not persecution. Persecution is when you make the devil so mad because you're an actual threat to his kingdom that he will rise up through other people to try and silence you and shut you up. That's persecution. Anyway, let's look here at Matthew chapter 10 and let's take a look at this. So as a Christian, as a disciple, I fully expect persecution. Now, I'm not I'm not out claiming it. I'm not out praying for it. But I'm telling you, if you really are going to live a godly life, if you really are going to be a disciple, absolutely, there will be persecution. You will tick people off. You'll make people angry because you're not just going to tell them that, hey, it's okay, Keep doing what you're doing, man. Hey, to each his own. You do what you're going to do. You'll still make it to heaven. You're not going to say stupid stuff like that because it's a lie. And that's going to make people mad when you don't agree and affirm every choice they make and makes them angry, especially the sensitive generation that we have in 2018. They can't take anybody that disagrees with them. They can't take anybody that, that, you know, that tells them something they don't want to hear. I mean, they go play with Play-Doh and color pictures at 25 years old. It's not a lie. It happens. That's pathetic. You shouldn't be like that. You should be a little tougher than that. But Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, Jesus said, Students are not greater than their teacher, and slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher. And slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called by even worse names. It's like, they called me the prince of demons. They're going to call you worse stuff than that. You're not better than Jesus. You're, and he's like, listen, you're supposed to be like the teacher. The, the, the student isn't greater than the teacher. If they were mean to me, they're going to be mean to you. If they called me names, they're going to call you even worse names. And they called Jesus all sorts of names. They called him the prince of demons. I mean, I don't want to be called the prince of demons. That sounds awful. That's, that's I mean, I don't want to be called that. But Jesus said, if you're going to be my student... If you're going to be my disciple, they're going to probably call you even worse things than they called me. And if you can't handle it, you're probably not cut out for this. You got to have some thick skin. If you're going to be a disciple, you're going to be called names. You're going to tick people off. You are going to rub people the wrong way. Just the very 
presence of God within you when you walk into some situations will instantly rub people the wrong way. Just the very presence of God on your life when you walk in to some situations will make people uncomfortable because they know that, well, there's something different about that guy. I, uh, I don't like it. And listen, that's that that should be happening that way. People that are living in complete defiance to God, people that are scoffing at God, people that are mockers, as the book of Psalms talks about, they shouldn't be comfortable around you. And it's not because you're in their, you know, their face beating the Bible on their forehead. Repent. You know, it's not that just the very presence of God, just the way you live your lifestyle, make them a little uncomfortable around you. But if they're so if they're so comfortable around you, if complete rank sinners are totally comfortable around you and feel no conviction whatsoever, there's probably something wrong with that picture. I'm not saying you're there to make them feel bad or to condemn them, but I'm saying they should be a little bit uncomfortable when the presence of God walks into the room. It should rub them the wrong way a little bit. And when you say, no, no, I don't, I don't drink that or no, I don't smoke that. I, I'm sorry. No. I mean, it's going to offend some people. You think you're better than me? No, I don't think I'm better than you. Think you're holier than me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not better than you. I'm not more righteous than you. If you're a Christian, we're all we're all just as righteous. We've been made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. But let's not lie here. Some Christians are more holy than other ones, and they shouldn't be ashamed of it. Why should I be ashamed that I don't watch dirty movies? I'm not embarrassed about that. I feel, you know, I'm not out bragging that I don't, but I don't watch nasty, dirty movies. It's, uh, you shouldn't do that if you're a Christian. You shouldn't be watching things in front of your children that you wouldn't watch with Jesus sitting there in his beard and robe and sandals. I'm not ashamed that I don't watch those things. I used to. You know, I used to watch stupid, you know, comedies and stuff. And I, I don't have nothing against comedies, but there are things that I used to watch that I won't watch now. It's terrible. Why would I want to hear that stuff and then wonder why, you know, man, all, all, I hear these cuss words in my mind all the time. And, and I don't know why. Well, can you pray for me? Uh, let's not pray. Let's let's look through your DVD collection or your, or your the music you're listening to. This isn't one that you necessarily have to take to prayer. This is a pretty easy one to fix. Quit listening to the junk all the time, and you'll quit having curse words flowing through your mind all the time. That, that that's not you know we don't need to fast and pray over that one. Just make an easy decision there. But I'm telling you, there's just no no doubt about it that some Christians you know hey they're holier than others. That doesn't mean God loves them more. That doesn't mean that they're, you know, it just means that, hey, they live a holier lifestyle than some of the others. And and we they shouldn't be ashamed of it. And we're not going to tell them that they're bad for doing it. Um, But I remember I'm going to talk about my dad for a second here because my dad, he could tell this a lot better than me. But when he got saved in the 1980, January 29th, 1980, uh, he he comes from, uh, you know, the rest of my relation outside of my dad is all drunk redneck alcoholics i mean just flat out that's what they are they're 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 drunk and they're and they're probably laying somewhere in a ditch drunk this morning that sounds terrible to say about your own family but it's kind of the truth so anyway uh but dad gets saved and he he didn't just get saved and say i think that i'll attend church once a month and i think that i'll uh maybe i should stay away from these no i mean he went nuts he went Every time the doors were open, he was there. Every, I mean, he, he was hardcore, 1000% turned his life around for Jesus. Instantly quit drinking, instantly quit smoking, instantly quit all these things that he had been doing. And so that rubbed his family the wrong, it made them mad at him. And when they found out that he was giving 10% of his paycheck to the church, they literally staged an intervention with the entire family. And they they had looked up. They were trying to get him committed into the mental ward. I'm not kidding, am I? This really happened. They literally the last straw was when he was giving 10 percent of his paycheck to the church. They literally staged an intervention, called the mental hospital. Get a bed ready because we got we got a good one for you. We're we're bringing him. Be ready. He's nuts. But they didn't bother them the least bit when he woke up drunk, when he didn't bother them the least bit when he was depressed. And sad and angry and going through the pits. They didn't care at all. And why is it that some of your friends and family, they didn't care one bit when you were drunk. They didn't care one bit when you were getting beat up and getting in fights. They didn't care one bit when your life was an absolute train wreck. 
But then now you're going, that guy, I heard he's going to church twice a week. Somebody, for the love of God, somebody go talk to him because I can't handle this. I, it's okay. I mean, you, you get your religion. Everybody needs that. But this guy's going through. I heard that he gives 10% of his paycheck to the church. I heard that he cleans that place. This guy is nuts. But yet they didn't care when you were laying in the ditch, drunk, beat up, passed out, puking on yourself. Where were they? They had no problem with that. They got a big problem. Why is that? Well, the devil does not want you serving Jesus. The devil doesn't want you laying down other things, sacrificing things, letting go of bad addictive habits. The devil does not want that. And he will rise up through either unsaved people or very carnal Christians because carnal Christians are pretty damaging to you also because that they, they get mad. They get convicted when an on fire Christian gets around a lukewarm one. It'll make the lukewarm one mad and he'll say stupid things like, man, he's so loud. And sure. Who does he think he is? I mean, I, I know his past. That's what lukewarm Christians do, because they are offended by your fire. They're offended by the heat. They can't take the heat. Because they used to be there, but now they're not. They cooled down and they and they know they're wrong and they feel bad. They feel convicted that you're so crazy about Jesus that it makes them feel bad. And so they're going to get mad at you and tell you, man, be quiet. I'll just stop. Listen, listen, I can't wait till reality really sets in for this guy. And he realizes that's a wrong attitude to have. And that's what a carnal and a lukewarm Christian will do. One of my dad's relatives wrote him a letter when she found out that he was going to church so much and said, well, you think you're better than all because you go to church all the time. Now, I've got more religion in my little finger than you have in your whole being. What what does that mean? I, I don't even know what that means. But listen, I don't want religion in my finger or any part of me. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't need religion. Religions, they kill people, man. Religion's dangerous. I don't need religion. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. Amen? And so if you're going to be a disciple, you will have persecution. That's not me being negative. That's not me making a bad confession that I shouldn't make. It's just the fact of the matter. You should expect it. Second Timothy 3.12. Let's look at that. Second Timothy 3.12. Because persecution means you're doing something right. If you're not getting persecuted, if you're not making anybody mad about, you know, being on fire for God, then you're you're doing something wrong. I know that's you know, we're not intentionally. I don't intentionally make people mad very often. But at the same time, you know, listen to me. It is going to happen. You are going to rub people the wrong way. So Second Timothy three twelve. I mean, listen, this is just flat out true. It says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Anybody who's going to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, they will suffer persecution. Well, some people are like, well, I've never been persecuted well, it tells us what kind of life you live. <laughs> Probably not a godly one. <laughs> no, for real. You know, we're just being serious. Listen to me. If you if, if if you don't ever make the devil mad, if you never have a head-on collision with the devil somewhere along the way, it's because you're both headed in the same direction. You should be going so much against the grain, so much upstream that you are rubbing every devil and barster. You're rubbing everybody full the wrong way and it's going to make them mad and they're going to say stuff about you. And if you can't handle it, if you have no spine, if you weren't really committed, you're going to say, I guess I won't talk about Jesus at work anymore. They don't like they don't make fun of me. I don't want that. If you can't handle people making fun of you just a little bit at work, if you can't handle people being upset because you love Jesus more than you love them, you're not cut out. You're not going to be a disciple, man. You have got to get some grit. You've got to get some backbone. You've got to get some spine. You've got to get tougher than what you are, because if Jesus was as weak as some of us are, he would have never died on the cross. He would have folded when the pressure came, just like a lot of us do. Ah, oh, man, I really wanted to do this, but you know what? I, I can't. 
Everyone's mad at me now. And everyone, she's saying this. He said that. You should, he made a meme about me and put it on Instagram. Can't do this stuff, man. You kidding me? This is tough. If Jesus was that weak, he would not have gone through with the cross. We have got to toughen up. We've got to realize that not everybody's going to love us. Not everybody's going to pat us on the back every day. But you got to be okay with that if you're going to be a disciple and realize not everybody supports you. But that's okay because Jesus supports you. Amen. And so let's flip over to Acts chapter 5. And I, Acts chapter 5, I heard one time Gloria Copeland came up to Kenneth and said, something's wrong. He said, why? What's going on? What? What? Everything's fine to me. I mean, this is the best season of life we've ever had. We, I mean, it's been smooth sailing. She said, exactly. Nobody has persecuted us in months. We're doing something wrong. And he said, by George, you're right. We gotta be, we're not taking anybody off right now. And so they, they did. They talked to God about it and they realized they'd softened up in some areas because I'm, it's just, it's, it's the truth. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now we're not, you know, out there, Lord, bring it on, but it is going to happen to some extent. Now we looked in our first week about the Coptic Christians over there in the Middle East, especially Egypt. Okay. They're dealing with stuff that I, I doubt that you'll ever deal with in the U.S., but come on. They're willing. These people are getting hung on crosses. They're burning their children and stuff. I mean, it is awful what ISIS and those people have done to the Coptic Christians over there. But even down to their dying breath, they're saying, I will no, I will not renounce Jesus. I will not do it. And here we are. They made fun of me. I'm not talking about Jesus anymore. <laughs> Come on. Toughen up. Acts chapter 5, here's an interesting story about the apostles, the disciples here. And uh, and they kept getting in trouble for being out preaching in the name of Jesus. They kept getting arrested and an angel busted them out of jail and all this crazy stuff. But Acts chapter 5, verse 27, it says, Then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Talking about the name of Jesus. He said, don't you ever teach in that name again. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him and you want to make us responsible for his death. And so they said, listen, don't you use that name of Jesus anymore. They said, hey, I'm not going to make promises I can't keep. They went out and they filled all of Jerusalem with the name of Jesus. And here they are. They've been arrested again. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty gutsy way to talk to somebody that could do some damage to you. He said, you killed him on a cross. Thank God he raised him from the dead. Woo! These guys weren't afraid. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. When they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. You got no other option. We're going to just have to kill you because obviously you're not learning your lesson. I mean, that'd be a pretty scary place to be in, wouldn't it? Like, hey, they're, they're, they're going to kill us. So we can either agree to quit going around preaching and talking about Jesus. We can talk about God all day long, but do not use the name of Jesus or we're going to get killed. What's it going to be? And of course, they're like, kill us. <laughs> you can't threaten a Christian with death. We go to heaven. We're not afraid of dying. Hello. That's why somebody that has a firm belief in Jesus, they'll take a bullet for their faith, man. They'll walk the plank. They'll do whatever. But you can't scare me with death because I'm not afraid of death. I'm going to heaven and I'm looking forward to it. You're just going to get me there sooner. But, you know, I'm not saying I want you to kill me right now. I've got a wife and children. But at the same time, hey, I'm going to heaven. 
You can't scare me with heaven. It's what I've been looking forward to for all these years. I mean, you can't scare me by threatening me with heaven. But here's what happened. They're like, we're going to have to kill you. Here it goes. But one of the men on the high council is like, listen, hold on. You're going to cause riots. You're going to call it. Let's stop. One man spoke up and said, listen, if what they're preaching about and teaching is fake anyway, this whole little thing will die off and then it'll be over with. But if it's true, we can't kill it. And you're going to be fighting against God himself if you do harm to these guys. And so here's what happened. If you skip down to verse 40, the others accepted his advice. They listened to that guy that said, we better not. They accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. That's disciples right there. Now, let me tell you about this. They left. They got flogged. We read that and we're like, I don't know what that is, but that sounds kind of rough. I don't want to get flogged. I'm getting ready to explain what an actual flogging is because we don't understand some of these words. But they get flogged and they leave rejoicing that they were worthy enough to be persecuted. They're like, yes, we're hardcore, man. We finally arrived. We've been persecuted. This is awesome. They're rejoicing. They're not, I'll never talk about Jesus again. That really hurt, man. Here I am. I came out to do the will of God and everybody gets mad at me. I quit. They didn't do that. They were so happy. They were rejoicing. They were praising God that they had been found worthy to be persecuted. Now, a lot of I mean, a lot of us, we won't ever have to worry about that because we are not willing to stand up for Jesus to that degree. So it's not even a threat to a lot of our lives. But for some of us, persecution is going to happen and we got to be willing to stand up for it. So what is a flogging? Well, I looked up an actual description of flogging because I didn't know what it meant, but it, it sounded painful. It sounded really painful. I'm like, well, let's see what this is. So here's a description of flogging. The Romans first stripped the victim and tied his hands to a post above his head. The whip was made of several pieces of leather with pieces of bone and lead embedded near the ends. Two men one on each side of the victim, usually did the flogging. The Jews mercifully limited flogging to a maximum of 40 stripes. And they would usually go one, one swing less and, and at 39 just to make sure they didn't break their own law. So Jesus, you know, had the 39 stripes. But uh, the Romans, they didn't, they didn't have a limit. They're like, we'll beat you till you die. We don't care. It'll make our day. We love this stuff. And so the Romans, they didn't, they just beat you, beat you to death. So here's what happened in a flogging. The heavy whip is brought down with full force again and again across the victim's shoulders, back and legs. I mean, from here down all the way down your legs, you're getting beaten. At first, the heavy strips cut through the skin only. Then as the blows continue, they cut deeper into the tissues, producing first an oozing of blood from the capillaries and veins of the skin, and finally spurting arterial, arterial bleeding from vessels in the underlying muscles. Finally, the skin of the back is hanging in long ribbons, and the entire area is an unrecognizable mass of torn, bleeding tissue. And so, that's a flogging. And these guys leave the flogging saying, Oh, thank you, Jesus. We have been found worthy to endure persecution for you. This is the best day of my life. Can you imagine that attitude? And yet here we are. Somebody makes fun. Somebody you're taking that too serious. Maybe you're right. No, you will never take Jesus too serious. You will. It's, it's impossible. You will never read too much Bible. You will never sing too many praises. You will never pray too many prayers. It's not going to happen. You're never going to give Jesus too much of who you are. I could give Jesus 100% of who I am for the next 10,000 years, and it wouldn't be enough to pay him back for what he did for me. Heaven for eternity? You kidding me? I, I, there's no way I could pay that back. I'm indebted forever. But Jesus said, it's all right. You just believe in me. Live for me. 
Be my disciple. That's all I'm asking of you. I think we could do it. I really think that he deserves that out of us. And so these guys, they left their flogging rejoicing that they were hardcore enough, that they were worthy to endure persecution. And so the third thing I'm going to say today about disciples is this. Is that a true disciple must love others. That doesn't mean you agree with everybody. That doesn't mean you endorse everybody's actions. But a disciple loves others. John 13.35. Let's check this out. John 13.35. Is anybody learning anything today? Who wants to be a disciple? Amen. As I've said, a disciple, that doesn't mean it's a perfect person that never does anything wrong. Jesus 12 did all sorts of wrong things, but they were full of passion. They were, I mean, they were repentant when they messed up. These were people that they just wanted to please Jesus. And I can tell you the difference between somebody that's a, a convert and a disciple. Here's one thing. A disciple obeys Jesus and follows him just because they love him so much. A convert does it because they just don't want to make him mad. They obey Jesus because they're like, well, it says here that you go to hell if you do this. It says here and they, they obey Jesus out of fear or out of, I don't want to, God will get angry at you if you do that, boy. That's not why you obey God. That's not why you should teach your kids to obey God. Don't do that. God will be mad at you. You don't know. No. I don't do that because I love Jesus so much. He said, don't do that. And I don't I don't want to hurt Jesus. I want to live for him. So someone that's a disciple, they're willing to die for him because they love him so much. If your only reason and goal for following Jesus and obeying his word is just so you don't get in trouble. That's not enough to keep you from making the ultimate sacrifice. You'll eventually, I mean, when it, when the rubber meets the road, if your only reason for following was, I don't want to go to hell or I, I, I don't want to make him mad, then no, you wouldn't die for him. You wouldn't make, there's probably not a lot you'd sacrifice for him. But if you are following Jesus because you love him and you recognize what he did, you would give your life for him just like he gave his life for you. And so John chapter 13, verse 35 Jesus said this to his disciples. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There it is. Will everybody know that you're a disciple if you just go around telling them you're a disciple? No. Will everybody know you're a disciple just by, you know, you live an exemplary life? That's great. But no. Jesus said by this. Shall all men know you're my disciples if you love one another. That is how the world can distinguish a true disciple of Jesus. Because they're full of the love of God. They'll forgive people that don't deserve it. They will go the extra mile. They will sacrifice. They'll do things that that they aren't even required to always do. But people will know you're a disciple. They can tell if you're real or fake. They can tell if, if you're just if you're all talk, if you're blowing smoke and, and, and if you're really legit about this. But they can tell if you're a disciple by your love for one another. And so let me show you real quick the love, bless, do good, pray formula. Who wants to hear the love, bless, do good, pray formula? Fine, I'll keep it to myself. Never mind. Never mind. Who wants to hear the love, bless, do good, pray formula? Yeah. It's a formula in the Bible. And, I, you know, sometimes I read verses and you'll see, like, it, it, it perfectly lays out simple steps to take to achieve the goal. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. But I was reading this one day and it kind of hit me like, oh, wow. You mean I do this, this, this and this? Yep, that's how you do it. Love, bless, do good, pray. Love, bless, do good, pray. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. We'll be in the New King James on this. Matthew 5, verse 44. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Here's how we said a disciple supposed to live. Love your enemies. That's not easy to do. 
That's why not everybody does it, because it's super hard to do. Bless those who curse you. Someone curses you, you got to bless them. If you're going to be a disciple, do good to those who hate you. Why would I do that? And pray for those who spitefully use me. This is what Jesus called his disciples to do. And so let's break this down. Love. The word Jesus used here is agape. A lot of you are familiar with that word. But this means that you unconditionally love somebody, whether they deserve it or not. And I'm telling you, there are some people that do not deserve your love. That doesn't matter. Because Jesus said, agape them. Agape those who are your enemies. Love them anyway. Even if they don't deserve it. Even if even if they're not even nice to you, you love them. Don't let the way they treat you affect the way that you treat them. Do you realize how hard that is to do? Do you realize how hard it is to be nice to somebody? Of course you do. Because all of us have people that are mean to us, right? There are people that don't like us. And Jesus said, even if they're mean to you, you can't be mean to them. You've got to be nice to them. Why would you ask us to do that? That's not fair. Of course it's not fair. The fair is where you ride rides and eat funnel cakes. We're not called to the fair. We're called to be disciples. And so Jesus said, they're going to be mean to you, but you're not allowed to be mean back. You have to be nice to them and you have to actually love your enemies. That stinks, man. But that's what Jesus said to do. And so... I can't argue around it. If I'm going to be a disciple, I have to do this. And this went against everything that the disciples had ever heard. They'd grown up under the law of Moses. And so look at verse 43, same chapter, one verse back. Verse 43, before Jesus told them to love their enemies, he said, You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, yeah, that's how it was. That was the law. You have to love your neighbor. You have to love people that are nice to you. But you're totally allowed to hate people that are your enemies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eye for an eye. Tooth for a tooth. They poke your eye out. You're totally justified to go poke their eye. They knock one of your teeth out. It's only fair that you go knock one of theirs out. That's the law. That's the old law. But Jesus comes and that's what they've been preached. That's what they've been taught. That's how they've been raised. And then Jesus comes in and we've read this verse our whole life. So we're like, love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, everybody knows that. They didn't know that. They never heard that before in their life. Jesus came in with a groundbreaking revolutionary teaching. And he said, listen, love your enemies. I know you've always heard that you're allowed to hate them, but no, not anymore. Now you have to love your enemies. I mean, their minds are like mind blown. That was that was just insanity. What are you talking about here? That's not fair. They're allowed to be mean to me, but I have to love them back. That's not fair at all. And then the next thing he said is to bless them. He said to bless those who curse you. Well, there's different Greek words for bless. But one of them, the word used here, I looked it up, is the Greek word eulogio, and it means to speak well of. So curse, that means when somebody curses me, somebody cusses me, somebody says something mean about me, Jesus said, speak well of those who speak evil of you. (laughs) This is getting worse by the second, man. You mean somebody calls me names, somebody cusses me out, and as a disciple, I'm required to speak well of them and say something nice about them? This goes against every... I mean, this is, I think, where Jesus really... This is where Jesus really breaks it down to see if you really got what it takes. This is... The love walk is the ultimate test. If you're willing to do this stuff, you're probably willing to do anything. If you're willing to let somebody that's being mean and evil, speaking terrible things about you, and you can work up the gumption to say something nice about them, I'd say, man, you've graduated. You are, you're a disciple. You're in a great place. So somebody's spreading rumors about you, and somebody comes up and says, did you know what so-and-so said about you? Yeah, man, Oh, she has the nicest car of anybody that works here. I don't know. Man, he's got good teeth. How does he do that? Wow, what a haircut. Woo! Whatever it is that you've got to say, whatever it is, and sometimes you've got to, I mean, you've got to stretch it for some people because, I mean, they've been mean to you. There's not a whole lot of nice things you can think of, but Jesus said, hey, you want to be a disciple? Eulogio. 
you speak well of those who are cursing you. That's difficult, but let's see if we've really got what it takes. And I'll bet there's people at your work this week that'll say mean things about you. What will be your response? Uh Uh-uh. Takes one to know one. Come on. We've got adults acting like this. What is your response going to be when somebody is less than perfectly nice to you and laying out a bed of roses for you to walk into the door on? What is your response going to be? Just, I don't know. I mean, it's between you and God. I mean, whatever you decide. But I think you should eulogio. I want to say that like I actually know what I'm saying because I don't. But eulogio. Eulogio. You speak well of them. Amen. So you bless those who curse you. And then he said, do good to those who hate you. I can say there's not a person in this world that I hate. But I realize that there are people that hate some of us. Does anybody, I mean, you can, but there, there's somebody that probably hates you. They do, they don't, I mean, it's not like they, that you just, they don't like you very They hate you. They want you out of the picture. Jesus said, well, to those that hate you, you got to do good to them. <laughs> Why? Why are you stretching us like this? Why? Because Jesus was willing to do all these things himself. He said, listen to me. People that do mean things to you, you have to go do nice things for them. Do you realize how much this will humble you in this life? When you aren't not out for retaliation? Now I realize we defend ourselves. We don't, I'm not going to let somebody keep punching me in the face. I mean, I am going to move. I am going to, I am going to duck. I'm going to do something. But at the same time, we aren't called to retaliate. That's not the Christian way. We're called to bless them and love them and do good things for those that have done mean things to us. I mean, everything within us says that's the wrong way. That's not how you do it. But Jesus is saying, I'm trying to get you to crucify the flesh. I'm trying to get you to die to yourself. I'm trying to get you to absolutely break down yourself and humble yourself. And it is humbling when somebody's been nothing but mean to you and you show up and say, hey, man, I just I saw this in the store. I thought you'd like it. I bought this for you. Do you realize what that does to somebody? I've done that type of thing. Oh, it's priceless. To give a gift to somebody that hates you. Oh, that's like the most rewarding thing in this world. And I'm telling you, listen to me. If you, you should do something like that, man. You got somebody that's nothing but nonstop pain in the neck to you. Go do something really nice for them. It'll tick them off. It'll, it'll rub them the wrong way. But it'll start getting to their heart. Man, something's different about this guy. What Jesus said, yeah. By this shall all men know you're my disciples indeed if you have love for one another. Yeah, your love will speak to them in ways that your anger never would. Your love and your forgiveness will reach them when your bitterness and anger never did. Love is the way because 1 Corinthians 13.8 says love never fails. So I know this much. I mean, call me weak, call me whatever, but... I'm going to err on the side of loving somebody too much. I would rather get to heaven and Jesus say, man, you were way too loving down there. What was wrong with you? I, well, that's not going to happen. But I don't want to get up there and say, man, you were mean, you little devil. My gosh, mere than a snake, dude. What was wrong with you? I don't want that discussion. But love never fails. First Corinthians 13, 8. We do good. And the last thing he said here is pray. Love, bless, do good, and pray. Can you imagine the difference it would make if we prayed for people instead of thinking of ways to retaliate? And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. When you start to pray for your enemies, you start to see them as God sees them. When you, when you, when someone's made you so mad, done you so wrong, and instead of thinking of clever ways for revenge, you go home and I mean, you know, you're Googling best ways to get back at somebody. You know, I mean, there's people do that stuff. But listen to me, when you knock all that off and you get down on your knees and say, God, please help this person. Let them see. Let Lord send somebody. Lord, absolutely get there. When you stop and pray for somebody that's been nothing but evil to you, it'll break your heart. You'll start seeing, oh, my gosh, well. This is somebody's kid. They weren't always like this. They, somewhere something went wrong. Somebody hurt him. Somebody abused him. 
don't know what the deal is, but you'll start to see them and you'll you'll literally start to feel sorry for the person that I mean, absolutely you used to hate. You'll start to be like, oh, man, if they if they don't quit this stuff, they're going to pay the price for it. If they don't, if they keep doing this to people, they keep doing this to me. They're going to be in trouble with God. They're going to die and they're going to go to hell someday. And I mean, if you're really a Christian, you don't want anybody to go to hell. And if you will stop and do what Jesus said right here and pray for those, but nothing but evil to you, it will change your heart. And you're like, well, that's impossible. No, Jesus did it. And let's look at this last thing at what Jesus did here in Luke chapter 23. Because Jesus, we saw earlier, he said the, the, the student's supposed to be like the teacher, right? Well, we're all in here saying that we're students of Jesus. Jesus wouldn't ask you to do something that he wasn't willing to do. Jesus was willing to love, bless, do good, and to pray for those who spitefully used him and cursed him and murdered him. Luke 23, verse 34. Here's Jesus. Some of his final words on the cross. All these people are doing all this stuff. They're mocking him. They're spitting on him. They're hitting him. They're, I mean, he's beaten. He's, a, he's just a bloody mess. Isaiah prophesied that he was beaten so badly that you couldn't recognize him as a human being. You look at him and say, I don't know. What, what is that? Oh, my gosh. I mean, never seen anything like it. None of us have ever seen anything like it. He said, Isaiah prophesied, that's how bad it's going to be when the Messiah is crucified. You won't even recognize that he's a human being. And so that's the point that Jesus is at right now. Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. That's praying for somebody that has not treated you well. And so Jesus said, hey, you want to be like me? You got to love people. You want to follow me? It's not easy. You're going to have to love and forgive people that don't deserve it. You're going to have to sometimes lay down your right to be angry. You're going to have to sometimes lay down what you want to do to them. You got to, you got to let that go. That's not that, that that's that's how you used to do it. Not anymore. That's that's the old way. The new way is to love them. Bless those who curse you. Do good for those who spitefully use you and pray for those. Amen. That have wronged you. And so. That's what I'm getting at today is Jesus is willing to do that for us. Jesus is willing to lay down his life for us because he did. Are we willing to give some stuff up for him? We're going to talk next week even more about being disciples. But I'm telling you, we're getting somewhere in this. And I see I see the lights turning on in so many people's eyes. I, I'm learning so much because I definitely don't have it all together. I'm definitely I haven't arrived yet. But I'm learning a lot out of studying the Word of God together. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.